0: Welcome to AHN Med Talks, an informative resource for physicians across various specialties as we delve into the latest medical insights and best practices, ensuring you stay at the forefront of your field. I'm your host, Dr. Rania Habib. Joining me today is Dr. David Bartlett, the chair of the AHN Cancer Institute, and he is here to discuss the importance of cancer biomarkers. Welcome, Dr. Bartlett. We are so honored to have you on the podcast today.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Now we hear all this talk about biomarkers for cancer. To begin, could you define exactly what a biomarker actually is?
1: Sure. So the biomarker is kind of a wide range of different tests that we can provide to indicate the existence of cancer or to define prognosis for cancer. Any kind of test that we can do to help us with the diagnosis and treatment of cancer.
0: How would cancer diagnosis and treatment change if we had a blood test to identify all cancers?
1: You know, a lot of times, and specifically what I think of when I think of biomarkers, it are blood tests. And blood tests that could define cancer would really transform the way we manage cancer, the way we diagnose cancer, and the way we treat cancer. And it's really the holy grail that people have been trying for ages to get to. And we finally got to the technology, I believe, that can define and diagnose cancer using a blood test. And so things like screening, rather than getting a colonoscopy, imagine if you could get a blood test. And if you had a blood test that would get all of the cancers, as opposed to each individual cancer having to be screened for differently. So that's kind of the best example, I think, of what this would do for us.
0: Oh, it's fantastic. Now, could you give us a specific example of a cancer that has been identified with a biomarker
1: Sure. So, prostate cancer, I think, is one of the more commonly known and utilized. So, prostate specific antigen, or PSA, we use as a diagnostic tool for prostate cancer. And although there's controversy over its utility and perhaps overdiagnosis, it did transform the way we screen for prostate cancer. And again, having a blood test as opposed to having a rectal exam and feeling the prostate really allowed for that screening tool to be utilized broadly.
0: So besides the prostate-specific antigen, PSA, what other cancer blood tests exist today?
1: So I think there are a lot of different antigens that we can measure in the blood, like CEA, which we use for colon cancer and lung cancer, some GI cancers, ca nineteen nine, which upper GI and liver and pancreas. So there are a lot of these that exist, and we use them sometimes to track cancer that we know express these antigens. But in general, they're not good screening tools. They're not really that sensitive and, in reality, not that specific for cancer. So what's new and what, to me, is exciting are tests such as the gallery test from Grail, as just one example, where a single blood test screens for 50 different types of cancer. And they've gone for high specificity and low sensitivity which means that if it is positive, it's likely that there is a cancer somewhere in your body. So that's an example of a test that's new. It's available. It's not necessarily reimbursed by insurance companies, but it's available in certain circumstances, and patients can actually order it for themselves. And it's that first step, I think, into a large-scale screen for cancer. Also measuring circulating DNA in the blood is something that has become commonplace in the management of cancer. So we talked about screening for cancer, but also the importance of biomarkers come to play with us being able to follow cancer so cancer as we treat it knowing whether that treatment is working using a blood test as opposed to a scan or after surgery for cancer do we need additional therapy do we need adjuvant therapy or did we get it all with the surgery? And that's where tests such as the Signatera test from Natera looks at PCR for circulating DNA for tumors. And using that technique, we can track cancer and all types of cancer. So it's not specific to a certain type of cancer. So while CEA or, or AFP or these other proteins may be helpful in some patients, the Natera test is good for all types of cancer. And so, again, a couple of examples, I think, that just show where the technology is going.
0: Oh, it's fantastic. So you've already discussed the technologies that already exist to identify cancer in the blood. How does artificial intelligence help us to discover a blood test for cancer?
1: So I think this is very important, and the bioinformatics aspect of what we do and how we analyze things becomes very important, and using artificial intelligence to help us in that analysis is key. So we're trying to find a signature for cancer in the blood, and there is protein, proteomics, there's circulating DNA, we can isolate exosomes, uh, small lipid particles that are released by cancer cells that trap different proteins and lipids and DNA within them. There's metabolomics. There's so many things that we can measure in the blood. So the technology to measure these things exist. But then how do we analyze it and come up with that signature for each type of cancer? And that's where the artificial intelligence comes in. So it's a massive amount of data that we can get from a drop of blood right now, all that can indicate what's going on in your body in relation to a cancer developing. And now how do we analyze that data? And that's where AI comes in.
0: Okay. So AI would specifically be used to analyze the data to try to find trends. Is that what I'm understanding?
1: That's right. And to develop algorithms of analysis so that we put together all of these factors into defining the signature. Once that signature is defined, we don't need AI on a regular basis except to continue to learn and better define. But in that initial kind of study analysis, that's where the AI is important.
0: What are the roadblocks that currently exist to discovering a successful blood test for cancer?
1: I really feel like the technology is there. The technology continues to improve and improve. So in other words, we can test for more and more sensitive ways to find DNA in the blood, to find specific mutations in the blood. There are so many companies looking at different aspects of this. So to me, the technology exists, and now it's applying all of that technology that becomes the roadblock in a sense. And that just means we need the samples from the patients and we need the patient data and we need to be able to have these samples to test all of these technologies. And that just takes time. And time ends up being the roadblock. It's just taking us a long time to get all the samples, get the analysis done, and then define what will be that best signature for cancer
0: absolutely and i'm assuming that they're looking for different biomarkers depending on the type of cancer they have so a sarcoma versus a carcinoma how would these blood tests differentiate between those various types of cancers
1: that's what's interesting is each cancer seems to have its own signature especially when you look at things like dna methylation there are dna methylation specific findings for different types of cancers but Again, I think the key to this is going to be putting together not just the DNA analysis, but also all the other things that we can measure. So looking at proteins, we can measure 10,000 proteins in a single exosome released by a cancer cell floating in the blood. And so as we start to put all of that together, we'll be able to differentiate different types of cancer and have a signature for each type of cancer because that's going to be key. It's going to be a horrible thing to know that you have cancer in your body but not know where to look for it. So the key is going to be we have to know not only that something exists but what is its source.
0: Exactly. So walk me through this, you know, once we have developed the biomarkers that can now identify cancer, how do you foresee that workup going? So
1: a few things. One is that patients, again, for screening purposes, will just get a blood test and we'll be looking. So if we identify something in the blood that points to a certain type of cancer, we'll know how to work that up. I mean, in theory, that eliminates so much unneeded effort around cancer screening, things like mammography, colonoscopies, all these low-dose CTs for lung cancer, pap smears. I mean, imagine if we could get rid of all that. That's still the dream here, I think. Yeah. And then also, I think a key is, again, when we take out a cancer, like a colon cancer, what's left? Is that patient cured? Because imagine if we could predict that that patient's cured after the resection. Then we say, okay, you're cured don't worry about it go back to routine blood tests yearly but you know you don't need to get any scans or anything else and imagine how effective that would be and we give chemotherapy to patients that don't need it that are cured from cancer but we give them chemo because we're not sure so that adjuvant chemotherapy If we could be more specific, and certainly the studies with the Natera assay alone are showing that we can be very specific in colorectal cancer and predict who's going to recur, then those are the patients that we provide chemotherapy to, not the ones that are already cured. So all of that, we can eliminate a lot of x-rays, all of the fret and worry for patients. There's just so many things that we could do with this.
0: Yeah, it sounds fantastic. It's like, when can we make this happen? So, do you think in theory that these biomarkers then could also be used not only for screening and monitoring of disease, but how about for treatment? Because I know there's been a lot of research into using these biomarkers for potentially, you know, like very specific chemo or radiation therapy where they're latching onto these biomarkers. So, could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. So that's the other aspect of things is if we have all this data, then we can start to predict which patients will respond to certain treatments. And right now, we do that very, very crudely. We say, okay, you have a colon cancer, so here are the drugs, and you have a lung cancer, so here are the drugs. And we're starting to get into that precision medicine where we look at mutations in the DNA to define the therapy. But Overall, we're still very crude in that regard. So biomarkers can also be used to then predict response to treatment and therefore tell us which treatment we should be using for the different types of cancers. So colon cancer isn't just one disease. Some are going to respond to some agents and others. So it just opens that possibility as well with good biomarkers.
0: What work is being done specifically at AHN to move the field forward when it comes to cancer and biomarkers?
1: Yeah, so what we've done here is just because we see 10,000 new cancer patients a year walking through our door, to me it was an opportunity to be able to begin collecting data on all those patients as well as collecting blood samples and tissue samples on all those patients. So everybody that walks through our door is offered enrollment into a protocol. Obviously, it's volunteer and they need to sign appropriate consent, but then we do draw their blood on a monthly basis during their course and store it in a way that we can analyze for cell-free DNA and proteomics and other things. And then we also track their course clinically so that we know kind of what's happening with their cancer during that journey and be able to go back and correlate the blood findings with what's happening in their with their disease. And while we're looking at some of our homegrown technology, what we're really interested in is using this as a resource for a lot of different industries that have good technology, that have been testing their technology, but just don't have access to the samples. So it's a way that we can work with companies with new emerging technologies and provide the samples, as well as the clinical data, to really get to some answers, I think, much quicker than we could do otherwise. So I know a lot of different efforts around this, and it's exciting to see worldwide kind of all of the data that's being generated, but we just wanted to be a part of that and take advantage of just the magnitude of cancer patients that we're seeing.
0: And it also sounds like, you know, you guys are really at the forefront of this field, which is so incredible.
1: Yeah, it's a rapidly growing and expanding field, but we have all of the infrastructure from a genomics perspective, proteomics, lipidomics, metabolomics, and we have the bioinformatic capability with collaborations. So yeah, it's all here. And so we hope to stay on the cutting edge there.
0: Oh, it's fantastic. So if somebody wanted to refer a patient to you, are you conducting any studies right now or how is that working?
1: We don't provide the data back to the patient right now, but any patient with cancer, we ask if they would be willing to enroll in the study. And I think patients want to enroll with the idea that they're helping others. And again, if we can make this happen, it would be transformative. So any cancer patient is eligible to enroll and to help out the next cancer patient.
0: That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for a fascinating topic. What final take home points would you like to leave with our audience today?
1: I think just to recognize that this technology exists, and that it's an exploding field. And we're seeing advances on a regular basis, and that we absolutely will get to the point where we can detect diagnose, and follow cancer patients with a blood test. So that's my belief. And you just see a lot of evidence that we're going in that direction.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of AHN Med Talks. To learn more or refer a patient, please call 844-MD-REFER. That's 844-MD-R-E-F-E-R or visit ahn.org I'm your host Dr. Rania Habib wishing you well